You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. You want to stand with me, CC? Y'all ready? Tell somebody, say, I'm ready. Say this with me. Say, I'm ready to be challenged and changed. Say, changed by God's word. Online, I hope you're ready. I know we got a lot of traveling people Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, but you better be ready too because I, I, I bring it on every weekend as best I can. It, whether it's good or bad, I'm going to give it my all. I want us to start this thing. Tell somebody one more time, say, I'm ready. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Tell your neighbor, say, he's talking to you. Say, he's talking to me. Say, he's talking to me more than you. Two men, this is his lesson, this is his coaching moment, this is his analogy. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, I've explained it a lot lately, probably going to focus on it a lot more. Pharisees were the religious rigorous, they were the strict of Jesus' day. There was only about 6,000 of them, they dotted their eyes and cross their T's. I always say that backwards. They were the, they thought they were bad. They honestly were the elite of their culture too. It says one was a Pharisee went to pray and the other was a despised tax collector. Tax collectors were the worst of the worst. They were, they were not IRS. They were like pimps, drug lords. They were literally, it was legal what they do, by the way. Because a lot of our sin, we think, because society doesn't frown on it and it's not illegal, then we celebrate it even, throw parties in the church for it. You know what I'm saying? But it was, they were still the worst because uh, families lost everything because of tax collectors. Kids starved because of tax collectors. Jesus says a Pharisee, the best of the best, and a tax collector went to pray. The Pharisee stood by himself, isolated himself, lifted himself up. All my people that want to talk about how bad you are and how, the, how you need to be first string, not second string, how you should have got the promotion they shouldn't, how everybody, nobody appreciates you at your house. He set himself apart. He stood by himself and prayed, I thank you, God. That I'm not like the other people. That I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a cheater. I'm not a sinner, an adulterer. I'm not a Democrat or Republican. I don't, I don't do things like that. I don't go to the club every weekend. I'm not like them. You know what I'm saying? I don't still get drunk and ruin my family and stuff. He said, thank God I'm not like them. And then check this out. He says, I'm certainly, certainly not like that tax collector. Because proof that they were the worst of the worst. I fast twice a week. Because when we do that, we tell everybody what we do do. And it's doo doo. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I, I give a tenth of my income. I give my money. I give it. I don't care what you give. We don't need your favors. God wants your heart, not your wallet. You give him your heart as a byproduct of giving. You give him your wallet as a byproduct of your heart, not vice versa. But the tax collector stood at a distance. And dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. 
The worst of the worst. The broken man, not the church one. The one that was broken and everybody knew it. Whether he had money or not, he was broken. It said he stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven. He didn't even look at God as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest. He beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, have mercy on me for I'm a sinner. Because broken people know they're broken, but the worst type of brokenness are the people that don't think they are or won't admit they are, and they make it look good on the outside, but they're just as broken on the inside. Jesus said, I tell you, he says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, Jesus says, not the Pharisee, not the guy that made it look good, that has all the cultural uh, 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 checklist of success, the, not the Pharisee, the broken dude. Not the church dude, the broken dude. Return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I'm going to make you stand for a minute longer. Uh, just a minute longer, I'm going to make you stand. Because I read this passage for many years, many times. But two specific times, 2011 and 2021. It wrecked me. It wrecked me. I probably need some prayer to have some emotional strength to preach this one today. But it wrecked me. It ruined. It ripped my heart open. I'm going to tell you I needed it. And you need it. I still need it. And if I ever realize I think I don't need it, I'm in trouble and so are you. So are you. Will you just lift your hands right now online? We welcome you wherever, whether you're at the beach or at home in the bed, getting your one extra day this weekend. We, I want God to speak to you right where you are. Lord, humble us right now, Lord. This is a hard one to hear. It's even a harder one to handle, but Lord, penetrate our hearts. Give us strength and humility to receive it for what it is and to continue in it and seek you in it because it matters. It matters in Jesus' name. Amen. My title today, I'm almost, I'm gonna let you sit down in a second. My title today, Today is missing the point. We're missing the point. I've got no points today. I've got no outlines today because the, 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 when you're missing the point, you don't need more points and details to get lost in. So I'm just going straight from scripture. As you're seated, tell somebody, say, I got some stuff to surrender. I got texts from the emails from the spouse, from the spouse, from the, her too, from the staff this week saying, hey, you ain't got no outline. I said, yep, there's a reason for that. It's on purpose. It's on purpose. See, the stuff and the issues that are the hardest in your life, the ones that hold the death grip on you, are the ones uh, that you won't admit to. They're the ones that, like I said, church throws a party. Society and your job will celebrate them. They're the stuff that you take pride in, which is exactly why it's a sin. It's exactly why. And the worst type of sin and dysfunction is not the stuff that's out there for everybody to see. It's what my mother called when I was growing up, grade A flesh and sin. Amen. Grade A. It's that good stuff. Mama said, it looks good. It looks pretty. Grade A. You know why narcissism, is, uh, narcissism has a 96% relapse rate? Because narcissism, your coping mechanism is to act like it's not as big a deal, that you're not the problem, that everybody else is. Pride. Say it with me. Say pride. pride. 
that grade A stuff. See, that stuff that, man, you, t- man, you, you do not like, you ain't going to let anybody talk negative about you because this is not a problem. You are the problem. See, because when we have that grade A pride, when we have that stuff that we, we have that attitude, I, what about what I did do, not what I didn't do, we will not address or admit the toxic that is in us. And catalyst, we need a savior. You have, I have toxic in me and in you, and it changes and it deepens, and we have it. Tell somebody, say, you're messed up too. And if you don't think you are, if you think you're less messed up than your neighbor, you're missing the point. Man, we, we, we live in a world everybody's wanting to talk about everybody, how everybody else is the problem. You're missing the point. Pity the fool who loves you enough to speak the truth in love whether you like it or not. We got, we got a lot of grade A stuff, or at least we want to highlight the grade A in our life because we don't want to address the, because the grade A, the stuff that's real deep within us. See, the Pharisees, did it, they dressed their best, man. They did it. They, did, they, they, they had that Sunday best mentality. Boy, they did it. They, I'm telling you, so the Pharisees did all the surface stuff right. They were elite. They could memorize, they memorized vast portions of the Old Testament. They could, they could quote it to you in Hebrew. Stand up here and as much time as you got there spitting it at you in Hebrew, they were the best. Paul it said, was one of them. They played the part really perfectly. They spoke church lingo real well. You know what I'm saying? You know, those people that they, you're like, man, they don't, they, they talk church, but when you, they don't act church, they just, they got that appearance model. They make it look pretty. That's what Jesus told him. He said, you, you, you got your pretty graveyards, but underneath your dead man's bone, you got a pretty outside. And so, and so that grade A stuff, and every one of us got it. They did it all right. Do you know that the Pharisees were so strict about their faith and their rules? I hear you, girl. About their faith and their rules. They're so strict that this is what seminary taught me. Paid six figures for stuff like this. Y'all ready? Gotcha. So, so there was this group of uh, Pharisees. That had a nickname. And this is true story. You're going to think I'm making it up. It was there. Had like seven PhDs tell me about it and charged me, overcharged me for it. And so, uh, and so uh, bruised and bloody Pharisees, okay? So Pharisees made more laws so that they didn't break the law. That impossible pressure that every one of us put on yourself. I ain't, don't make fun of them. We do it too. Tell somebody, say we're missing the point. And so there was this group of Pharisees. So this is how they do. In Fer- all Pharisees did this. When they were walking down the road, they didn't want to lust, you know. So they would see a pretty girl. And their tradition, not in Scripture, extra rules, extra pressure. God didn't ask them to do it. They're walking down the road. They see somebody they're going to lust after. They, they close their eyes and they cross the road for a certain amount of steps. True story. True story. Because a lot of tradition that they crucified Jesus for wasn't even in the Old Testament. They just made walls because we put up walls and before we know it, we ain't just protected ourselves from the bad. We ain't got, felt nothing good or nothing at all. And so there was this group of Pharisees that actually went the extra mile and they built another rule around it. They were called the bruised and bloody Pharisees. Ain't making it up. They would see something they lust after, girl, whatever, and they would, uh, and they would close their eyes Immediately, not the, most Pharisees would close their, not close their eyes to their own this side. The bruised and bloody went another mile because they were faithful. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. 
They were a virgin when they got married. They don't drink alcohol. They, they don't smoke marijuana. They vote Republican or what. Or, I don't even, it doesn't matter the details. We all got dumped, John. Tell somebody to say you're missing the point. Them bruised and bloody folks, man. The bruised and bloody Pharisees. Historical fact. They would close their eyes immediately, walk across the road and walk way farther. And they would bump into things and they would be bruised and bloody. Don't judge them. Your life, your life has been that in most areas. And in the areas that you've been successful and been able to give the appearance of success, you've made money, you got, you got good kids and all that stuff. But what you got some areas that you're bruised and bloody because you try to live up to impossible expectations and standards. And it is not for God's glory. You are bruised and bloody. Tell somebody, say, I messed up too. We are Pharisees. We are Pharisees. Separated ones is what the word means. We miss the point. The pride and the pressure you put on yourself for stuff that isn't that righteous. It's martyr. You're a martyr, but it's not righteous. You men are crushed under the pressure of what a good father and what a provider is. I grew up in church. I heard them talk about all the men didn't make money. They love Jesus, but they broke. Tell somebody to say you're missing the point. You're bruised and bloody because of it. Because of it. Because of it. And Jesus said, man, yeah. We do that. We say, thank God I'm not like that tax collector. Thank God I'm not like that tax collector. Thank God I'm not like my parents, my ex. You single mamas and you say, and, and honestly, we got, we got grandmamas in this church, several of them raising grandparents, raising kids. We, 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 we will let bitterness and wounds and tragedy and sorrow of what caused us to be put in the position that we're in cause us to look behind with anger. And it turns into, and bitterness is from a place. When you stay bitter, it's pride. I don't care what your parents did to you. If you stay there for the next 30 years, that is your problem, not theirs. You are bruised and bloody because of it. And you're missing the point. We do it. I'm not like that tax collector. I'm not like them. I'm different. My, my stuff's better. Grade A, Bradford Williamson. Grade A. And we even, you're like, well, you don't go home with me. Well, I know what you, nobody may know what, nobody knows what you're dealing with at home because you pretend outside of your home. He was pretending on a mountain and he was by himself. He had learned, that Pharisee on that mountain had learned, and the temple learned to pretend so well that he didn't, he was pretending by himself. You don't even know yourself. <laughs> Thank God I didn't cheat on my wife. I didn't cheat on mom, but you never, you've never really helped her. She holds a family together. You just punch a clock every day and bring home the paycheck. I was, I was with him when he had nothing, but you nagged him. You didn't nurture him. You nagged him and treated him treacherously. So don't act like you're more faithful than you are. We do it. Thank God I'm not like that. Thank God I'm not like that. Thank God I'm not like that. I raised my kids in a Christian home. I didn't have a little turd running around that the teachers had to call me all the time because I, I set them in their place. Well, I'm going to tell you, you coached everybody else's kids more than you parented your own. So really, they got raised in, they got raised with all these standards that they're going to crush underneath the pressure just like you are. You just ain't seeing the end of your story, but it's a train wreck coming. We do it. I, I, I'm going to share so I, I'm getting to a point because I'm going to tell you, tell somebody, say you're missing the point. 
whether you beat whether you beat them whether you beat them with bibles or or with your fist it's still abuse we got a generation that I'm ha- that I my heart is to res- redeem the scripture because we have used it to abuse and you can make anything a weapon assault with a deadly weapon or verbal assault it's all assault thank god i don't do that but what do you do what are you hiding You overspend on cars and houses and vacations and eating out, coffee shops and streaming TVs, whatever, streaming TV channels, whatever, streaming TV, I don't know. I'm just saying, you ain't saving no money, you blow money. And, and you can talk about people that don't have, well, they, they start, you started out with more than them, or you'd be broke if you didn't have parents take care of you, you'd be as broke as they are. Quit judging them. Tell somebody, so you're missing the point. People, I can't tell, man, I've been afforded, I I grew up rough, but I've been afforded opportunities that the person next to me never got. And their story's different. We need, we are missing the point. Tell somebody, say, I got some stuff to surrender. We talk about opioid addiction. Well, we love to talk about that. Oh, I feel so tragic. What about opioid? We talk about, it's tragic, yeah. But what about ambition addiction? You worship your dreams. I did it. I'm telling you, I'm getting to my junk in a minute because better than spend the rest of the message on yours, I'm getting to mine because I'll, come, I'll become unguarded if it'll let your heart, let yours down. You worship your dreams, man. You'll, you'll run over anybody. You won't even marry the person that God has called you to marry because you need 10 more years to feel worthy and to be, get to the top. You'll be dishonest because this is your dream. That You don't worship God. You worship a dream. The Pharisees had the long phylacteries and got all the degrees and all that stuff. And that was their dream. They thought that was success. It wasn't, it wasn't God. It was success. Come on, man. I'm, a, you're, I'm telling you, you worship being a mother and a father. You, your kids, you, you don't save them. You smother them. You're still trying to treat them at seven like they're, and they're, they're, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm dealing with this stuff too. I'm getting to my junk in a minute. You don't realize you're the reason when you stand over their grave because you didn't realize you made them your world and you are not their God and you were a bad one when you try to be. You love them, but you didn't let them go. And loving, a healthy love is saying, God, I'm going to give them to you because they're gonna, they, they ain't going to OD in my bed. I want to give them to God because the only chance they may have is on the streets. We do it. We do it. We don't even realize we're doing it. You're either a bulldozer or you're a doormat or you're both. It just depends what insecurity you have, what strength you have, you know. You can be both. You can treat your family like crap and be a coward at work or vice versa. We're approval. How about approval addiction? Let's just throw that out there. We, I, I, I'm, I'm as guilty as everybody else in here because here's the thing is, tell somebody, say, you got some stuff to surrender to. We are more, we put more pressure. We are more faithful to trying to please others and we are more offended when we disappoint people than we, we do. We, are, we live in that shame more than we actually seek and trust and grow in our creator because we are addicted to approval. People do ministry all the time that way, man. I've been guilty of it too. You're hard on yourself or everybody else or yourself and everybody else. I don't know. I'm just saying 
have mercy on me, a sinner. I was the guy I always said I didn't like to say that word and stuff, but honestly, it's a, it's a humbling word that he's bigger than my junk because I need him to be. Have mercy on me. Yes. Can we just say that? To, can we say that together online? Can you say it too? Have mercy have on me. Mercy on me. A sinner. Yes, Lord. That's a wonderful position to take. And I could, I could spend, I could do this whole, make y'all go, Gah! and I could have spent three hours here and I'd eventually hit all your stuff because I got mine too and I'm human and I just know what it's like to be human and I don't pretend not to be. But instead of sit up here and have this gah, step on your toes application, I'm just going to tell you my stuff. Can I do that? Because instead of sit here and try to read all yours mail in the next few minutes, I'd just rather tell you mine. I've always had the trouble of doing too much and taking on too much. And, 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 and you can make it look pretty. I've had people like, well, you know, at least, at least you're not selfish and, and, and narcissistic. At least, you, at least you're codependent like the codependent's the good guy. No, 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 no. Tell somebody, say you're missing the point. I did ministry as codependent as I played rec ball. As I did it, man. You do it too, by the way. I'm just going to share with you my junk. Hopefully you'll... Open your heart to yours. Did ministry. Held it all together. You know what I'm saying? Like we start catalysts. It's amazing. Seeing it grow. Year and a half, we moved from our location, moved over here. It was amazing. I was overworking. I mean, way overworking. I told myself this, though, because we all do it. Tell somebody, say, you got your junk, too. I said, man, the church is growing. God's honoring it. I'm called to be faithful. You know, that's what I told myself. I did. I remember New Year's. We, we move over here. We like, I mean, I'm talking about the growth. I've never seen. Well, actually, now, to be honest with you, I've seen, we're growing about like that now, and I refuse to let my heart lose myself in it. I refuse to. We get over here. I remember working so many hours. I remember getting up so early. I wasn't leading. Now, I work a lot of hours now, but I do it investing in the things I'm good at. I had to hold everything together emotionally and mentally way too much. I say everything like nobody was here. There were people here, but I was doing way too much. Too much. I was overextended. I didn't tell my family about it. I just went home. I, was, I began to be distra- distant. I began to be snippy and short. And I remember New Year's, y'all. New Year's. It's like 2018, 19. I don't remember. My brain's full. And we're, we got all the family at the house. Like, literally, that doesn't happen as much anymore because they, they don't all live there. And, and we have a great moment. And me and Andrew are in bed but 10 minutes before, uh, the, before New Year's. And, and she's crying. She says, baby, you're getting your dreams. Like everything I've ever known you dreamed of has happened, and I'm worried. I don't know what's going on. You can't handle it. I'm worried. Like you don't work at Walmart anymore. You're, what's wrong? Went to bed angry at each other. Didn't get no love in that New Year's. Wasn't the first time, won't be the last. I promise you. Uh, wake up New Year's wake up New Year's and Angie wakes up before me that is something that does not happen much because I can't sleep and I get up and she's crying again what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong I don't know what's wrong with you what's wrong with you 
Here's what I did. I made some adjustments. I made it work. But I wasn't honest. I did. I made it work. I made some adjustments where I could, where I just got content with leaving some stuff undone here, and 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 honestly, probably lost some relationships because I changed. I did what I needed, what I thought I needed to do, but I was not honest. And here's the thing: I don't care if it's immoral or just unhealthy. It's still sin. We like to separate that. I like when I get up here, and I've done it too, and I'll do it right now. But it's nothing no different. Uh, pastors say, "Well, y'all, I'm just burnt out, and I need to take a break." And it's nothing immoral. I don't care if it's immoral and healthy. Tell somebody, say you're missing the point. I just made it work. And it came. Hey, church did fine for about a year, year and a half longer. But this thing almost imploded as fast as it exploded when it came to a head. And I'm not talking about anything surrounding all the complexity, the million things that this thing grew too fast and came unraveled and I lost myself in it. I'm talking about my heart right my heart. I don't care about details. I care about my heart because I've had to learn that if I will start there, if I will stay there, I can't lead you in anything I'm not leading myself. That is fake. That is fraudulent. I'll feel more fraudulent than you will feel about me. And the hardest thing wasn't the church stuff. That had nothing to do with it. My point wasn't, look at what God has done. It's amazing. The church stuff's not my point here. My heart. The hardest thing to deal with in that season was not at all anything here. God honored it, and I knew if it fell apart, I was still going home to my wonderful family, and I wish I hadn't been blinded to that for the two years before. The hardest part was for months there would be times that Angie, she'd just be crying. It'd be 2 a.m. and she'd be crying. I'm talking, I'm talking like that seven-year-old baby girl cry telling me that, um, why did you not trust me? Oh, I've been through a lot of heartbreak, but never like that. Why did you feel like you had to hold it all together and carry something? I'm your wife. You didn't tell me that you were stressed out. You didn't tell me that. Why didn't you do that? And you know what I did? You know my response, same as yours. I was trying to protect you, baby. I was trying to protect you. You know, I didn't want you to, I didn't want you to fall in there with me. BS, Ben Bonner, that's pride talking. That's not Jesus. You do it to yourself, by the way. They don't hit me. I should be good. I got them a lot worse. At least they don't hit me. They provide for me. And you feel guilty for having a conversation that could potentially end in a divorce. You do it. We all do it. I just need to be grateful that I have a job because I'm able to put food on the table even though they require me to do four jobs and only pay me for one. My junk is your junk. Details may be different. It's the same dysfunction and this grade A stuff that you can make it look pretty. I don't care if it's grade A or grade F. These are the hard issues. And I remember just... I remember reading this passage again for the second time that it ripped my heart apart. And I just got on my knees. And I didn't do it. The staff will tell you there was a season I was not really a pastor because I had to really look at myself. I was in my office for hours in my home. Lord, have mercy on me. Say me. Say it like you say me. 
Not everybody else, not your spouse, not your kids. There's some seasons in your life you need to quit talking about your employer and you need to say, me, have mercy on me. I don't care how honorable people think it was. I don't care how noble or or how much of a devil they think I am. Have mercy on me. Lord, a sinner. Because he reminded me 10 years before in 2011. He wrecked my heart with this passage. I had read it for years. My dad on Friday died 11 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. I get in, I'm, I'm on the stage and I'm doing what I always did, you know, taking care of everybody else, preaching to everybody else while I'm grieving. And for the next two weeks, I read through the New Testament twice in 2011. And I literally, I, re, I was like, I'm going to overhaul everything. But because before you can overhaul a church, before you can overhaul your family, before you can overhaul your marriage, it better start with you or it will crumble. And I started, I remember 2011, same as 2021. I just began to like, I got to get back in this thing. Because I can write sermons. I can crap sermons that are mediocre. But I'm, was I, I wasn't seeking them for myself. Not the way I should have. And I remember, I remember 2011, it just hit me. I read this passage. Well, it wasn't the first time. And it just hit me. My heart got exposed to myself for what it was. See, my dad was an addict. He OD'd. And I just, when I read this passage, I realized, man, I'm the, I'm the guy that everybody always, uh, well, for this season, there's some people probably think I'm a bad guy now and they think they know everything. But back then, pretty much everybody liked me. I was at the season I hadn't discovered that that was impossible. And I remember um, just seeing it, how good it felt when people would come up to me and say that Van Bonner made a preacher. I wish my sons were like you. I wish my sons, they'd be, you've been through way more than my sons, but look at you. I would say it, I didn't say it like the Pharisees, but I said it. I don't care how good you dress it up. I said, I used to say, I used to tell people, I'm just thankful that I'm not an addict. That I used to say, I'm thankful and I, I meant well, but I was so wrong. I, thank God I'm not an addict. Thank God I'm not like my dad. The tax collector. It tore me up. It tore me up. Because I realized that deep down my heart was that he got my, that God got a better deal on me. And honestly, if anything's true, it's harder. Because the Bible says too much is given, much is required. I had read the Bible says you're held accountable for what you know. God had shown me so much in the hell I'd been through. And my dad never got to really see that. He never got his foot forward, really. I realized it felt too good. I am my dad. I am the tax collector. And I don't need to have the heart like the Pharisee. Every one of us better come to God like the tax collector, not the Pharisee. Don't pretend to be the Pharisee. Felt too good when I got those, to get those three degrees that they said I'd never get because of the learning disability. It felt good. 
My dad said something. I thought about this this week. My dad said this about his, this few weeks before he passed, he said this about his jail term. It's such wisdom. He said this about a, a long stint he did in jail. He said, I didn't deserve to be in jail for what I was in for, but I deserved it for other things. Your critics, their truth and interpretation about you may not be true. But the truth is, you still got some stuff to surrender that is true. And what we do is we want to defend the dirt that people throw on us that isn't true instead of come to the cross humbly. Bible says you can come boldly to the throne of grace in your time of trouble. That's what the tax collector did. Have mercy on me, a sinner. I realize my heart is more jacked up, if anything, than my daddy. Because the difference in the tax collector and the Pharisee was not their sin and struggle. It was their honesty and humility. Their honesty and humility have mercy on me. I surrender it all, not just the stuff that looks, that looks good, the stuff that I don't want to feel, I don't want to deal with, I don't want to admit because it'll cost me because I've hidden it for so long. The truth will set you free. I'm telling you, it's humility was the only difference. Honesty was the only difference. We hide. I'm not like them. We are them. You hide your marriage issues behind all your social media posts and your and your and 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 your likes and shares and comments of hashtag goals. Your marriage is an inspiration, and what you use is you use it as a coping mechanism for the misery of the fact that you have to wake up next to a stranger. Oh, hallelujah! Because you are not honest. We are not honest with our heart. That is a dopamine hit. That's what likes and shares. When you care so much about likes and shares, when if you posted your heart and only got 20 likes and you wanted 40, that is addiction. It gives you a dopamine hit. We do it. Don't, don't pick on the, the, the addicts in the place. We are addicts because we all hurt and have pride and self-righteousness and are dysfunctional the same. You spend your life doing ministry trying to help everybody else believe what you really haven't received for yourself. Ministry is an outlet. It is a drug for you. Being a mother and a father has become a drug for you. Oh, if I can make my kids feel worthy, then I'll feel worthy. That is what an addict does when they get a fix. To not feel. To not feel the reality of it and to not process and move forward. Oh, it hit me. You'll trade months of abuse and negligence Instead of confront your spouse just for moments and glimpses of, of the man and the woman that you wish they were. That you're working so hard and sacrificing your life to try to make them because you're playing God. You have the biggest personality in the room, but you have no confidence. And so you're guarded all the time and we're just like the Pharisee and God is calling us to be like the tax collector. It's no different. It's no different. It's no different. 
No different than the addict that's in rehab that you're talking and grieving over at your family dinner because what they could have been. Their stuff's, they got more chance to really redeem themselves because they got less options and resources to pretend longer. They're in a better place than you because it's a lot harder to hit rock bottom when you got a successful career, wonderful wife and family. It's a lot harder to hit rock bottom and be able to say, come to a place where you are open and have no excuses to say, have mercy on me, a sinner. Bible says, if he who thinks himself to be something when he is nothing deceives himself. The worst deception is self-deception. You make everybody else feel like the bad guy because deep down you feel like the bad guy and you refuse to say, have mercy on me, a sinner. John the Baptist was, came, to his, came to this place because here's the thing. If you, when you miss the point, you miss him. You want a point? There it is. You want something to take home? If you're missing, when you miss the point, you're missing him. John the Baptist built crowds. His crowds got bigger before Jesus did. And then he was in his early 30s and his crowds were like shrinking because they were all going to Jesus. And his followers come up to him. They say, John! What's going on, man? Are you taking all your people? What you going to do, man? What you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do when they walk out of your life, man? You going to go get them? You going to take some stands, John, because your crowds are shrinking. What you, burn, what you spent 30 years, like, eating honey, all that craziness that he ate and stuff. Like, you, you're, what you've died, what you're willing to live for, is they're leaving. And John said what all of our response should be. He must become greater. I must become less. Whether it hurts my ego or not, whether my crowds shrink or, or, or whether they explode, he must become greater. I must become less. Have mercy on me, a sinner. You want to work a God in your family, in your marriage? He must become greater. You must become less. You want to begin to heal and not be wounded by all that you've been through and the trauma that has left you with PTSD and anxiety. He must become greater. You must become less. You want God to begin to just take down walls and, 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 and fill gaps that have, that, have been, that have been made in your life by decades of lost time and self-righteousness and pride. Here's your answer. Here's your response. He must become greater. You must become less. I didn't say your crowds, but I've had to do this in my heart, y'all. My crowds can't become, I'm telling, we've seen the crowds get bigger, but the church wasn't greater. It can't be the crowds get bigger. It can't be your haters get smaller. It can't be that you get higher. It has to be your heart has to be. He must become greater. I don't care if my spouse drags me through the dirt in an ugly divorce and I lose everything. The promise is, the response should be, he must become greater. I must become less. And if you start becoming greater and compensating, what happens is you end up in a place, whether it's grade A, grade F, grade ZZ, top, I don't care. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. And I'm going to tell you, you may have success. Oh, you may have success, but it'll last, it won't last longer. It'll be surface, and you'll die one day realizing everything you accumulated was nothing. It was nothing. Look at Solomon's letters where he said he was a, more than wealthiest man ever walked face of the earth, but he realized it was nothing. It'll never be enough. We're missing the point. Thanks for listening. 
We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at imcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you. We care about you. And we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.